Hey everybody, welcome into the Grace One Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson, your host as always. Thank you for joining us today. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. And today on this episode, we have some very special guests with us, Steve and Rhonda Wilson, who are missionaries to Chile. They're going to be with us sharing a little bit about their story, their hearts, who they are, what God is doing in their life. So Steve, thank you for joining us today. We are glad to be here. Thank you. And Rhonda as well. We're grateful to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. You guys are normally in Chile, but here you are in America and you're cruising through Carthage, Missouri. So why not hop on the podcast and tell us a little bit about who you are? We're excited to be able to share. It was great. We just happened to be in the area, stopped by just to say hi to Pastor. And here we are doing a podcast. How cool is that? Yes. And I and so here we are. We're excited. I've never heard your story. I mean, I know I just a few minutes of meeting and talking. I heard a little bit, but let's dive in. Who's who? Who is Steve and Rhonda Wilson? Well, we were married in Joplin, so we have some connections here. Rhonda, you did some some stuff here in Carthage, I believe. My first job was in Carthage. <laughs> so you're so, fami- familiar with so, this good old area of southern Missouri, yeah, in Carthage. Well, That's we've right. been had some contact with this church for many many years. Y'all have been partners with us and the ministry in Patagonia because that's actually where we live. We live um, in the region of the world called Patagonia. It's uh, the southern tip of South America. As a matter of fact, we have long been the southernmost missionaries in the Assemblies of God. Okay. So what's temperature-wise? Is that hot? Is that What's it like where you're at there? Well, we live in the Andes Mountains. And um, I won't say it rains a lot, but we average about 10 feet of rain a year there. Okay. So it's, you know, it's wet a lot. We, okay. uh, we've actually gone a month without the rain ever stopping one time. The temperatures, well, a warm day for us in the summer is going to be up in the 70s. That's warm. Wow, okay. And then in the winter, we get snow. We'll get a foot or so of snow. We live in the little town of Puerto Aysen, right on the coast. Inland little ways, they'll have snow on the ground for a month or two. Cool. And so, and don't forget, we have penguins. Okay, you do. Wow, <laughs> you actually wow, okay. do. <laughs> well, let's let's kind of go back to the start while we have it. So you, you you yourself, Steve, you grew up you grew up in a Christian home environment, or what's your what's your upbringing? My dad was a minister, and uh, we he traveled. He was an evangelist. He traveled all around, and so yeah, basically, I grew up in a Christian home. Okay. And did you have a lot of other siblings or was it just you or? Two brothers. Two brothers. Yeah, I'm in the middle. <laughs> okay. And did you, now growing up in the ministry, evangelism, was missions a part of that upbringing as well? Or was your dad's ministry primarily in the States here? It was only in the States. I had very little contact with missions as a matter of fact. Uh, it wasn't until we were children's pastors in southern Louisiana that we were really introduced to missions. And we just felt this tug, this call that wouldn't go away. And we started uh, exploring and praying and trying to find out what God had in mind for us. And it became clear he wanted us on the mission field. And we we stepped out in faith. And uh, the rest, I guess, as they say, is history. Wow. And so was that a trip? Was it a missionary that came to the church that spoke? What was it? What was it that grabbed your attention? What was that moment or experience? I would say it was a, a build-up, wouldn't you, Rhonda? Yeah. It was, um, I think it was gradual that the Lord, just through our devotions, 
and through special speakers that came to the church and uh, many different opportunities like that. God just highlighted things to us and made them stand out and and wove together a call. Wow. And to explore that, then we started taking short-term trips. Okay. And we uh, our first trips were to Mexico. Okay. And we made some trips down there and and then uh we did a uh went to Colombia into the jungle. We went there for uh how many months were we in Colombia? I think we were there about 8 months with a backpack with we sold everything we had and we uh put it, everything into a backpack. Literally sold everything we had and right. went and uh asked the Lord, "Where do you want us to go?" Wow. And then when we got okay. there, "Where do you want us to go?" Wow. And you're bringing up some some great points. I want to dive into in just a second here, but before we get too far ahead, Rhonda, your your upbringing, you Christian at home, or what was your upbringing? I grew up in a Christian home, and my dad was a pastor, and he also did secular work and was a pastor. All right, so you guys grew up in a great godly home, godly family, and a little bit different environment and experience than I had, but that's amazing. And you two connected in Bible college or where where was the connection made there? Well, it seems that my dad was holding a service in her dad's church. Okay. And Rhonda was the entertainment (laughs) committee. Okay. (laughs) She did a good job. Wow. And we got married 39 years ago. What age did you meet? How old were you? I don't even know. In our low 20s. Early 20s. Early 20s. 20s? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Long time ago. <laughs> okay, and was it was it quick? Was it instant love? Was it gradual? Was it? We became friends. We like. We found we like. Was to it do an arranged? Stuff. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Three horses and a cow. Right. <laughs> um, we became friends. We we like to do the same stuff. We okay. like to hunt or not hunt, but fish and hike and and do stuff outdoors. And we became friends. And over the course of a year, wouldn't you say? I think it was mm-hmm. a year. It was a year. So we're talking something to happen 39 years yeah. ago. So. Wow. <laughs> Get, heading towards the 40 mark. And didn't, now you can't see Steve right now. So if you've never met him in person, you have this awesome Duck <laughs> Dynasty-ish type beard. Has he always had that or is this no, new? No, it's, it's, it's bigger now. Okay. I've always had a beard. Okay. Always had a beard, but a little beard. Yeah, a little shorter beard, but now it's a longer beard. See, I found out the longer your beard, the more saintly you are. Okay, yes. praise the Lord. So you guys meet together. Your first, but your first job or first job together was children's pastors. You said. Yes, okay. uh, we, we we left the Joplin area and uh, ended up taking a position as children's pastors in Southern Louisiana. Where they make the Tabasco sauce. Okay. <laughs> but the first thing that you really pointed out, which I think is powerful in regards to missions, and we've talked the last few months, we talked missions. I actually talked about missions last night at our church. And um, one of the things, the point I think that's so amazing that you brought up is that missions never happens one way. You know, I think some people think that's like... absolutely right. God's going to, you know, the, the skies are going to part. The voice of God is going to speak. You are called to be a missionary. And it's not always like that. And that's mm-hmm. not how it happened for you. It was this thing that God began to start. And and then it's not like it was instantaneous, right? It's not like you went to an altar, you became a missionary, and the next day you packed up your bags and went to Chile. That's not how it works, you know? God we have to emphasize this over and over. God deals with us as individuals. And each each person is is has different needs and different, and God treats us different ways and and moves and speaks to us in different ways. There's not just one cut and dried. 
Yep. And what works for one person may not work for another. Yeah. And just because uh, you don't hear the call, you know, the first time or the, it doesn't mean maybe you, you, you could be called to full-time missions and you don't know it because you think, well, I went on that, I went on that, that short-term missions trip and I didn't really, uh, you know, that could be the starting point. Mm-hmm. That could be a seed. That could be the, you know, exactly. one of the, the things my wife is saying, God always works incrementally. He's Just because God made the call to missions for one person a certain way and it didn't happen for you does not mean that you're not called to missions. It means you need to keep looking. If you feel this tug and it won't go away, that's when you need to sit up and start exploring a little <laughs> harder. So you start taking start taking short-term missions trips to Mexico, which is, I think, great. You know, like we've done a ton of that in the churches that we've led because it's closer, it's affordable, those kind mm-hmm. of things. Great but, introduction to another culture. Yeah, it's a great in- intro to missions and those kind of things. So you start taking those, and then did you sense, is that where it started beginning to fester or to grow that call to missions? I would say yes. Yes. That's where we, we became more and more sure. And then we don't take something like that lightly, and we ask God to confirm. And he did. He, he was faithful. When we, we didn't want to just delude ourselves or, or convince ourselves. We, we asked God to confirm his word to us, what we thought we were feeling. And he was faithful, and he did that because we were totally sincere. A lot of us pastors are always preaching at our people, missions, 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 missions. And I think maybe some people might be asking the question, well, where do I start? What do I do? How would you guys answer that question? Is it just go on a missions trip? Is it, you know, what's what's the starting? How do you encourage people to start in missions maybe? I think uh, be don't discount uh, blooming where you are because God, God prepares us sometimes for a long time and take the opportunities as they come along and with a, a very open mind that God may be giving me a little bit of a clue of what he wants in the future for me. Hmm. Again, not everybody is the same, but with yeah. us, from the time we first felt this tug, this, this this call that wouldn't go away, we recognize it now as a call. But for us, it was just right. this tug. From the first we felt that to the time we actually left for the mission field was years. Wow. And like Rhonda said, you're, you're, you're being prepared where you are now. I am convinced that whatever you're going through now is preparation for something down the road. Yeah. God has this really cool plan for you. So, yeah, don't be all anxious to, right. you know, like they're, they're going to run out of opportunity. And I was going to bring that up. It's that kind of uh, Abrahamic type journey we all have to go on where God mm-hmm. has promises and he has a plan for us, but it doesn't mean that it happens overnight. I mean, exactly. some people that are young ministers pursuing, I'm still a young minister, but younger ministers that are pursuing the gospel, I, you know, I tell them, hey, when I first received the call, from the time I received the call to getting involved in the church, to going to Bible college. I mean, that was six or seven years before I finally got the job, if you will, you know, exactly. and yeah. some people don't want to wait, go through that process, but it's that process, which is pivotal to cultivate the things God wants to do inside of you mm-hmm. to get to that point. And the people that try and shortcut God's plan for them usually end up with about the same results as Abraham. I think that was a great <laughs> illustration. <laughs> so you finally, you, 
you, you hop into short-term submissions trips, you're doing these things, the call is there, it's, it's growing. And then what's the, what's the moment when you decide to jump off the diving board into the water of missions? I don't think there was a single moment. Do you? Okay. Not that I, I not that I recall. I know that uh, it just became firmer and firmer. It, we knew that we knew the place we needed to go to, and then we uh, made the the preparations. Mm-hmm. They, there were a lot of preparations that had to be done to get ready for that. So, so what we, we did, we did what we had term, to do. Right, we did the short term stuff. Well, and then we did a two year maps assignment. Okay. And that was with uh, Spanish television and radio. And again, doing that, we were able to go all over in, in a number of other countries and minister. And uh, it just became, I don't know, solidified over time in our lives. And what, um, Go ahead. What was, the, what was the process like raising your support? That Talk about that journey leading up to... Because has Chile been the first and last country for you? Has that been... Since you've dove into full-time missions? Yeah, as, so it's yes. full-time. Okay. Well, the process was very, very long. <laughs> I really have to emphasize patience. Okay. <laughs> we, we did an application, all right? We decided we're going to go for full-time missions. We're sure God wants us that way. And so we started the application process. And I think that whole time, wasn't it about two years I can't. It was it was those. lengthy. Okay. You do all these stuff, and then fill out these forms, and you do tests, and all this stuff, and then you start itinerating. You see, itinerating is the act of going to raise your support. And if you're uh, called full into full time missions, and uh, you're approved, then uh, you have a district. All right. Now we have our district, and that means you contact pastors. Hi, my name is Steve, and uh, we're, we believe God called us to the mission field, and we'd like to share our vision with your church. And can you think you could uh, schedule us? And and some do, and some don't. And a lot of times, you have to schedule almost a year in advance. Hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that time it took us about two years to raise our money. You have a budget. You have to raise this much money because when you go into another country, you're not allowed to work. Hmm. You're not even allowed to. You have to come with all your support. You have to show the government this document says, I have all I need to live. I won't be a burden on your country. So we have this budget to raise, and in that budget it's our living expenses and our ministry expenses. We want to build a church. Well, we have to have the money to do that. Yeah. We have money for gas and uh that's a notable expense. You're right. In Chile, I mean, we've yeah. long paid over $5 a gallon for gas. It's right. Expensive. Wow. And, and, and it's good you bring that up because it's those little details. I don't think people always understand. Like, for example, I've been, again, I've had the fortunate opportunity to preach in different places, but I have friends who are full-time missionaries. And, you know, we might, uh, it might take us one day to drive to the location that we're going to through mountains and rough roads and uh, and then we get there and then we spend a day of ministry and then a day back. And so three days total of driving and expense and gas Absolutely. just to get to one church to do ministry, mm-hmm. sometimes maybe for three, four five hours. And uh, it's not like America. It's not like in not some of these countries, you just hop onto the interstate and get to the church you want to go to. It's different. And so there's a labor there that I think we can forget 
as Americans, which is why I am in my role as a pastor in America. I'm always trying to get people to go on a mission trip because I want them to see, taste, touch, experience what that difference is really like. I would mm-hmm. really like to reinforce what you're saying. I think it would do people a lot of good if they could get to another country at least multiple times, but at least once. Yes. See how it is there. People that go on missions trips do good. No, don't get me wrong. But the biggest changes I've ever seen in missions teams is on the missions team. It's the people that go who are changed the most. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I say this, this is my one, another one of my anthems. Jesus never said give, he said go. Absolutely. And the going uh, precedes the giving. And here's what I firmly believe. I give this illustration a lot uh, is if someone came up to me and said, Jeremiah, here's what I'm going to do as a pastor. I'm going to write you a check right now for 25000 for your missions department or I'll go on that missions trip that you've been hyping up to Jamaica for $1,200 this summer. You get the option. You only get one. Which one are you going to do? And every time I said, hey, keep your $25,000, take that $1,200. I'm going to take you with me to Jamaica, and here's what's going to happen. God's going to change your perspective. Yes. He's going to change your heart. You're going to see a culture and a people that you've never experienced, seen, or encountered before. And once the plane lands, we get back to America, you're going to write me a check for $25,000. Well, I hear that. <laughs> Very you know, good. It, very true. And it happens because it's it just getting there just changes everything. Right. So. And I suspect Pastor is speaking from experience here. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. I have never, I mean, I've been on trips where some people, they go and they might not go back. But, you know, every time it changes perspective in some way. Whether it's a calling that comes on them, whether it's a, a new burden, a passion for a culture or a people group or those kind of things. I remember one time we yeah. took a we took a missions trip to Mexico and we were in Amer- we were in America in the van driving there. We had not even crossed the country. I mean we hadn't mm-hmm. had not even started doing ministry and we have a lady in the van like She's bawling like, oh, I'm just, as soon as I get back, I'm going to start giving to missions. And oh, I'm like, why are you, we haven't even done anything yet. We're That's not cool. even Mexico yet. The, the know, fact but, that she stepped out to make the trip. <laughs> and I was just laughing about it because yeah. I'm like, here, she's acting like her whole world's getting rocked and we're not even in Mexico yet. We yeah. haven't even done, but it's just, it was that for her, it was that simple step of faith that really changed That's everything. That's exactly right. She stepped um, out. And I think that you, when you go and you interact with people in another culture, you realize more um, how the family of God is. The the yeah. common ground that we have, even if we don't speak the same language, it's a tremendous bond that we have. And it's just a little taste of what it's going to be yeah. like when we get to heaven. And we see we've got people from all over the world or all together and we have that kinship because of sonship right is isn't it amazing how you can be in another country you don't speak the same language you got different colored skin you got different colored everything but because you are worshiping jesus it somehow Mm. supernaturally puts us all on the same page it does somehow you realize (laughs) we're family yep we've seen that over and ultra over in multiple uh, cultures yeah here's all these these people that barely can can understand and then there's this link there that you realize we are family wow it's amazing so you guys raise your support you go through that process you, you go through the journey what was it like when you finally hit the ground 
uh, in Chile. When whoa, well, wait, we couldn't go to Chile right away. Okay, you right. have to go to <laughs> language school. Oh, okay. So in we El went Salvador, Costa Rica, Costa Rica. Okay. Yeah, we went to Costa Rica, landed there, and uh, boy, we're now in Latin America. <laughs> uh, you have to rent a house, and, and you have somebody helping you, and. You go into class. We had classrooms, and our job for one year, our entire job was to learn Spanish. Because if you can't communicate, you're not going to be a whole lot of effective. <laughs> so for a year, we learned Spanish, and I think I suffered brain damage from that. <laughs> it was the hardest thing Stretch. I ever done. Oh Stretching. my Stretching. <laughs> It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Uh, but you know what? Here's another precept. If God calls you to do something, God's going to help you to do it. Right. And we learned it. We learned Spanish. And only after then did we go to uh, to Chile. And you land in Chile, and it's yet another culture. I mean, in, in Costa Rica, we, we learned Spanish. You know, I could do a basic sermon and talk, talk to taxi drivers, and we get to Chile. I couldn't understand a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. You're like, is they this have, Spanish? Yeah, yeah, really. It's like they have it's their so own different. dialect. <laughs> yeah, their own dialect. So we started relearning, you know, their wow. version of Spanish, different vocabulary. And and from there, we just started ministering. And you know what? We were well received. People were glad that somebody, they were, they were like, Man, you you left you live in the United States, and the rest of the world knows that the United States is pretty much close to paradise. And why would you leave that to come to us? Hmm. I never get to tell them why. Wow. You know. So we just started getting in into the culture, and and uh, we've been there ever since. We got in. We landed in Chile in '95. Wow. Okay. So that's how many how many years is that? I'm not going to even try. Okay, and count. it's been <laughs> a while. Yeah, 10, 20, 20, 25, going on 25 years. Well, yeah. Being in Chile, and uh, what what's been kind of the anthem? What's the message that's been birthed out of you? And what what are those kind of flagship things that have come out of your ministry and your time there? Well, mostly our ministry. We we live like I said in Patagonia, and. Uh, the region of Patagonia is about a thousand miles long, and in that region, it's sparsely populated. It's a hard place to live, but in that region, we had um, at the time three churches, three Assembly of God churches. We had entire towns without any church of any kind, and so we've uh, been focusing on planting churches. We go into a town; they are slow to accept the gospel there. Um, it's it's a region that's just recently been uh, been developed i mean when we moved there you could still homestead uh, we know original pioneers of some of the towns they're wow. just a little older than us <laughs> so they were still homesteaded since we've lived there as a matter of fact they have inaugurated i think it's six or seven towns since we've hmm. so you know it's still developing and so Going so you're these, in you're in a lot of rural. Are you in a rural small community? Okay. Yeah, small separated, and mm -hmm. uh, we have to take a, a boat to get to a number of them, or or four wheel drive, and uh, we go to these places and we just start visiting them, get to know them, and they're slow to trust there because this is a pioneer area. The people are fairly self sufficient. 
Okay. And the, the, a lot of them don't realize a need for God. Hmm. And so they're they're real slow to accept. And it takes getting to know them. It takes winning their trust. And it takes being there. Because uh, that's an area where short-term missions does not work. Hmm. You have to be there. Yeah. Over yeah. and over. And, and uh, over a period of a couple, three years, then they'll start receiving the message. Hmm. So we've been able to to plant some churches there and and continue ministering to people that way and helping build churches and basically pioneer missions work. Wow, that investment and I've always two things from the, from what you just said. There's number one, I know I always have in my brain. I always want to go to a different country just to say I've been to a different country. So, you know, somewhere, wherever I'm preaching at, they, here's Jeremiah. He's preached in 30 countries. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really cool. Right. And but there's such a value to investing into a culture and into a people. And I tell people this in terms of missions, too. I sincerely believe that God if you open yourself up to missions, that God is going to bring some direction and some guidance there in terms of another people, group, or country that God's going to really birth inside of inside a passion for you. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I have preached in Mexico a bunch of time, a lot, you know, a lot of times. If I could point to some of my greatest highlights or moments of ministry, they would have happened in Mexico. And as much as I love Mexico, I still, there's nothing like, when I fly to Africa and I land in Africa and I get out of that plane and I take a, take a whiff of African air in my mm-hmm. nostrils. And there's something about that place that draws me and woos me. And I think that happens for all of us. If we open ourselves to missions mm-hmm. and for you, that's chilly, right? When you, right. That's been that area, obviously for 25 years. Exactly. When yeah. we return, like if we've been in the capital and we come back, fly back to our area on the and the two-hour ride home, every single time we say, "This is the most beautiful place we've ever been." <laughs> Are there good mangoes there? I mean, oh, talking yeah, non-spiritually, right. no, we don't <laughs> get in tropical food. You, you, you we don't, don't okay. hardly get they any import fruit. it. Okay. It's we, imported, okay. We What's buy good? just like you do in okay. the grocery store right. when they come. But we do have <laughs> we have uh, seafood that's uh, pretty incredible. Out of yeah, really we have good seafood. Cold, cold waters, real um, clean, good seafood. Yeah, and see, I'm allergic to seafood, so oh, how about that? No, oh, dear. <laughs> won't want to hear. <laughs> you know, you have this... The deal where you don't get much fruit and vegetables, that's the bad side because it just won't grow there and they have to import everything and get the leftovers. But then there's this other stuff. They catch seafood right there. So they catch salmon um, and and some of the local uh, seagoing fish, crabs, different shellfish. When we go to visit one of our churches in Puerto Williams, and if you look on your map, just look clear to the tip. The southernmost town in the world is Puerto Williams. And we have a church there, and we go visit them. In that town, they harvest their version of king crab. And we have actually had king crab for breakfast. Well, okay. That's different. Put some eggs with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they put mayonnaise with it and on a bun. I'm okay. serious. <laughs> when we go to the islands, a lot of times for breakfast, we'll get uh, fried fish. Or fish soup okay. for breakfast, you know, so wow. what they have. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. actually pretty good. Mm, that's amazing. What do you feel, what do you feel is ahead for you as you 
continue on in this journey of ministering to Chile? What do you think God's got for you in the future? One of the things we've really been focusing on this whole last term, and a term for missionary is, is five years. One year in the U.S. and four years in, the, in, in country. This last term, we've been focusing on an island town of Puerto Gala. And to get to Gala, we drive about 100 miles, and it takes two and a half, three hours through the mountains. And we get on a ferry, and that goes another four or five hours. And usually in the wee hours of the morning, we'll land at Puerto Gala, and we'll, we'll stay with some friends. And this is one of the places where we've been ministering for a bunch of years. Finally, the people have gotten to know us and they're trusting us, and we now we have a group of believers there. Hmm. They asked us to build a church on this island, the only evangelical church. There is a Catholic church, but they tell us that the priest only shows up once a year for a few, couple, three days. Okay. They don't have anything, wow. and they asked us to build a church there. So our goal for this next term is to plant the first church in Portugal and build it and have a place for the people to worship the Lord, our wow. family. Praise God. That's amazing. And what, Rhonda, what has been some of your passions as you've been there in Chile? Uh, just to uh, let people know that they aren't forgotten, that God knows where they are. They may feel like they're at the end of the earth, but it's a powerful message that God would send someone from Missouri to the bottom part of Chile to people that feel like they're uh, they've gone way out in their own country and to tell them that God knows exactly where they are and uh, to be able to show them that uh, through actions too. Rhonda um, alluded to something that is a very big a reality in that neck of the woods is that many of the people feel abandoned. They feel forgotten. Hmm. And Rhonda's one of the things she does is help them know that God knows who you are. He knows exactly where you are. That's amazing. So what's your, I mean, obviously God has clearly given you a message for that area of the world and for those people. But as we wrap up this podcast, what's the message you want to give to us Americans, us spoiled Americans regarding <laughs> missions? And what's the challenge you have for us? Even though you don't feel like it, you can make a difference. That's my message to you. You can make a difference. Even though it's not in front of a big crowd or doing supposedly great things, by, uh, by doing your part, by hearing from God, by praying and just either giving in and doing, and I think the two combine. I, don't, I think they're hard to separate. Um, you, you can make a You will make a difference. Awesome. How about you, Rhonda? And be big faithful. Faithfulness is huge. Mm. And uh, don't give up and keep keep looking ahead because God always has greater things ahead for us, I think, wow. that it's a journey. And uh, we don't go backwards. We're not supposed to go backwards. Mm -hmm. We're supposed <laughs> to go forward. 
That's awesome. You guys got to meet my girls. I'd love to ship my girls off to you. You can have them. They're my offering from God. And, and my girls have a longing to be missionaries, and I'm excited yeah, to see where God will. Yeah, they're going to come back smelling like seafood. Though. <laughs> I can touch it. I can, you know, it's not like I can't play with the crab or, you know, um, the fish or whatever. I just can't eat it. But anyway, hey, I hope you have been encouraged on this podcast, Stephen Rhonda. That's been awesome. I think there's some really God things that you spoke uh, in the last few minutes that I hope – We'll go into our hearts and minds and just challenge us in regards to missions. And I hope whether you're connected with the Grace Point family or you're a part of another church that you just really open yourself to the global mission of God and what he's doing in the world. Because I know he wants everyone to be a part of it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll talk to you next time.